This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to a new week and a new edition of Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the number one tennis betting podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Wimbledon may be over, uh, long two weeks. Difficult two weeks for us here on Betting Weekly Game Bet Match. But a new week begins and the big tournament ends on Sunday. And we're straight back into it with three tournaments this week on the ATP Tour. We have three ATP 250 events. Uh, one over in America on grass in Newport and two in Europe in Gestad in Switzerland and Bastard in Sweden. I'm Nigel Seeley and joining me to break down the matches is a, vi- a very tired emotional and drained after two weeks i can imagine it's sean cabot sean it's been a long two weeks my friend it has it's not been uh it's not been pleasant at all has it uh poor tournament from our point of view but um you know it happens and you know what can you do you move on tennis is never the beauty of tennis in, in many ways it never stops uh straight away we're into three tournaments aren't we next week three tournaments three very different tournaments three very uh different uh, entry list for the tournament one of them very very strong the other's very very weak uh, if we look at it let's start with the tournament across in america it's the grass court tournament in rhode island in newport um before we go into the event break down the draw and look at uh, one match you've highlighted for us for tomorrow's play give us a little bit about what we expect on the grass it's going to be very different i can imagine from the grass that we've just seen wrapped up at center court um it's a tournament dominated by americans it's all tournament dominated by one big server in particular over the years john isner um, mm. the Americans have won nine of the last 13 events here. And the, the sort of, if you look at the, the, the category of the player, they're all very similar. So what the conditions here, what's the speed of the courts and what kind of players are we looking for? If you're looking for the future, the tournament winner here. Yeah. Last seven winners, Cressy Anderson, who's coming back this year. I saw uh, that, read that. Yeah. Um, Anderson, Isner, Johnson, Isner again, Karlovic and Rajiv Ram, um, so take of that what you will. Um, conditions usually about the same sort of speed as Wimbledon uh, or Eastbourne, kind of 81% hold, 74.6% first serve points. Well, not the quickest of grass court tournaments, 41% tie-break matches. So it's kind of a medium-paced um, grass court, kind of an old-fashioned, slick, sort of low-bouncing one. Um, terrible one for top seeds. Um, only John Isner has broken what they used to call the casino curse. Um, people that have been there will know there's a casino outside right outside. It's called a casino curse because no top seed um, actually won it at all since 1976, apart from John Isner, who won it twice. So if you take John Isner out of the equation, no number one seed won it since 1976. Um, no qualifiers got past round two since 2017. And only Rajiv Ram in 2009 has won this title as a qualifier. So it's a bad one for top seeds. Uh, as far as underdog betters are concerned, 34% of the underdogs have won on average. Uh, best round is round two, 38%. Um, so yeah, similar-ish sort of conditions to Wimbledon, I suppose, in terms of the speed, but it's more of a sort of traditional slick, low bouncing, um, hardcore, but it's not, it's not the best of fields that assembled, has assembled in, um, Newport, Rhode Island this week, I'm afraid. 
before we come onto that field and look at the outright markets and the tournament winner, um, what's your opinion of players in, who have played Wimbledon? I mean, obviously, it's uh, obviously it's a, bit, a bit different. People who've gone out in the first week and people who've gone out in the second week. Uh, mm. do you, you tend to fade people who've, who have played at the Wimbledon Championship or anyway, especially some people who've gone deep in the tournament. What's your view of people who can participate in Wimbledon this week? I'm not sure there's that many in the field. There's, there's, there's a few. Um, I think, yeah, I think it depends on, on, on what they've done at Wimbledon. Um, I think you have to take each each person as, as an individual sort of a case. I suppose. I'm just looking at the field here. Um, Tommy Paul is 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 the obvious the obvious candidate to win this, isn't he? Based on you know statistics and ranking and everything else. Um, as far as Wimbledon's concerned, I'm not I'm not sure it makes a, a massive amount of difference in Newport. It's not like people that go deep in Wimbledon don't don't tend to play Newport anyway. Um, this field is generally assembled of pe- of grass court players that this is their last chance to kind of ply their trade, so to speak, um, this year, because it's the last grass court tournament of the year. So it tends to be made up of a lot of American players and a lot of grass courters that are trying to sort of grab the last uh, last chance they can of the grass. I'm more obviously con- concerned about all three tournaments, obviously, when I talk about women, not necessarily here. I'm, you know, you've got oh, Rublev right, okay. playing, you've got uh, Tommy Paul, as you we'll said. We'll come on to them in a minute. Yeah, we'll come on to them in a minute. But I was, I was thinking about what's your opinion on players who've, who've gone sort of deep. Uh, the rule of thumb usually would be to, to oppose someone who's played in the second week of Wimbledon, but I don't know if that's statistically correct or not. But uh, let's have a look at the outright market here. We're concentrating the one here in Newport in Rhode Island. Uh, this tournament favourite is Tommy Paul. It's a very weak tournament, you say. He's 11-4. to four. Uh, Somebody that I expected to do well. So he's plus 2.275 to win this event. Uh, Adrian Manorino is uh, plus 600. Jordan Thompson is a 700. We have Ugo Ember at uh, 800. Maxine Cressy at 900. John Isner the man who has won it so many times is plus 1,000. Mackenzie McDonald, also 1,000, did well at Eastbourne. And Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson, how can he be in the bend? He's, he's done well here before. He's a previous winner. He's 1,800. So that shows you the sort of the level of the tournament, really. Tommy Paul apart. It's a very, very weak tournament. Looking at the draw, Tommy Paul is the number one seed. He's the, he's the favourite. The second favourite, Manorino, is the, is the second seed. Um, Mackenzie McDonald is three, uh, four seed. Anugo and Burr is number three seed. We've already bet Ugo and Burr on grass this season. He got beat by Ryan Pedersen in a, in a, in a abysmal performance. So I'm sure that he's a fade for us. Um, weak draw, um, not really much angle in the top half or the bottom half. Where, where, where do you see any value if you do any value in, on the outright draw? I think this is a tricky one. The, the market lead is the kind of guys that you wouldn't just looking at the draw here that you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to be on them at short prices, would you? People like Manorino, uh, Jordan Thompson, Umber, who's had a shocking grass court season. I find him almost impossible to predict Umber. I opposed him, didn't I, in the first week of the grass court season in Rosmarlin against Kubler. He walloped Kubler. Uh, never, I, did, I don't think he won another match on the grass court season, including against Kubler again at Wimbledon. Kubler beat him at Wimbledon. Obviously, he got he got walloped in the match that I backed him in against against uh, Umber. He's so he's so difficult to call, isn't he? Because he had a great clay swing, Humbert. And logic would kind of dictate that he's gonna he's a grass court player. Gem, he's generally a grass court player. So you would think that would be his best part of the season. Coming in off off the back of a great clay season, you would have thought, you know, Humbert's someone that should challenge a lot of these tournaments, but he's he's done the exact opposite as he tends to do, Humbert. So if you look at his stats, actually, Humbert, just while we're talking about him, um, his service points one, return points one total on grass in the last 12 months, or in his case, 10 matches, is 99. And he's 3-7 win-loss, I think. So th- that's a shocking return for, for someone as 
as talented as him, but he is such a such a confidence player. You know, it's either there or it isn't. You never really know, what, you know, which, which one there is going to turn up. So I don't think you can back him. I don't, Mackenzie McDonald, very inconsistent as well. Beat Taylor Fritz on grass. Also lost to Diego Schwartzman that day we were at Queens, didn't he? Um, in straight sets, I think it was as well. He's so mm-hmm. inconsistent. He could win it. He could also lose in the, in his first match. You know, I certainly wouldn't be, wouldn't be betting him at short prices. Tommy Paul's too short for me. Um, Cressy's obviously a contender, having oh, having obviously won it last year. Uh, still got reasonable stats on grass, but he's done nothing this this grass season either. Uh, he's a possible, but you wouldn't want to bet him at, at the price he is. So for me, I mean, this tournament over the years has had a lot of um, su- surprise, if you like, um, finalists, people like Matt Ebden as a qualifier, Ramanathan, Rajiv Ram, these sort of guys have have made the final. Uh, the only one I can see, and this is a this is a real sort of shot in the dark, almost um, not in the dark, but in the twilight, probably, is um, Rinky Hijikata. I, I quite like oh, what I I've seen from Rinky him. Rinky Hijikata, I love when uh, I've, there's got to be like a song the name, don't you? Oh, I just love Rinky Hijikata. <laughs> I just love it. I love, there's got to be some song for that. There probably it. is. I mean, he's his service points one, return points one in that tournament in Rosmarlin where he made the semi-finals on grass earlier on in the grass ring is 104, which is and it's a very, very small sample size. And I am kind of hoping that he's going to continue that sort of form. But that those stats are better than basically anybody in this tournament other than Jordan Thompson, who, by the way, has a, a, not a great record here, Thompson. Four or five win-loss, Jordan Thompson. So I wouldn't be betting him at short prices. Um, what I saw from Major Carter was was promising. It probably wasn't more than that. It was, it was a, maybe a nod to what he could potentially do on this surface. So... I don't mind taking him each way, 33 to 1, just a small bet. I, I can't be having the, the market leaders. I don't know about you, but I, I couldn't bet any of these ones at those sort of prices. Manorino, I don't think he's fit. Um, hasn't really been fit most of this grass swing, so he's kind of off the list. Doesn't have a great record here either, by the way, Manorino. Lost five of his last six matches in Newport. So there's more questions than answers about the market leaders. I don't mind taking a, a Ponton in Jakarta here. Yeah, it looks a very, very weak draw. Definitely, I want to be fading the... The market leaders, as you say, I think motivation for Tommy Paul, especially he had a great opportunity at Wimbledon. I thought to go quite deep, didn't didn't do it, didn't get didn't get as far and as he should have done. Yeah, and Eastbourne didn't do it. So I think at uh, plus two seventy five, he'd be a, a player that I would look to fade. And definitely, I agree with you. I think there's potential on outsiders. It look for a bigger price. I, I think if this is a tournament that a week after a major, you may get a shock. And uh, the lovely name yeah. Rinky, Rinky Jakarta could be the man at 33 to 1. There is one first round match. Uh, we're waiting for a lot of matches to go up. Obviously, the order of play hasn't come out yet. But when it does overnight, we're recording this on Sunday evening uh, after the Wimbledon uh, Championship. We're going to talk about the Wimbledon Championship as well. We just we literally just finished that. We're going to talk about that a little briefly at the end of the show. But um, uh, we, we the, so we're waiting for the odds to go up from Bet, uh, Bet Rivers. Give them, a, give them a little bit of an hour off after after the final, an epic final. I don't there. get an hour off. We didn't, we didn't get exactly. We didn't get an hour off. <laughs> uh, but we've got a, one game you want to talk about. Max Person up against Jules Brower. Um, this match mm. is quite an interesting one here from from your perspective. The head to head is one win apiece. Person won at Wimbledon last year, seven five seven six in qualifying. They also played in Sarasota last year on clay, which uh, Brower won surprisingly. Brow's record isn't that great uh, on the on the on the clay. You would expect him to do better on the uh, on the on the faster surface. Um, what's what's your angle on this one? Because it looks uh, quite an interesting match here. Purcell is minus one forty eight, and Brow is plus one eighteen. I think Purcell's quite a bit too short here. This this is a fifty fifty match for me. Um, 
I certainly couldn't be backing Purcell at that price. I saw him at um, at Mallorca, didn't know we backed. Um, I think we took Feliciano Lopez, didn't we, to win the first mm-hmm. set against against Purcell. And not only did he do that, he won the match. Purcell was awful that day. I don't know whether it was just the occasion, the occasion of of Feliciano Lopez's retirement potentially got to him. But he's been playing with a fractured foot, which doesn't sound a great a great idea, does it? He he came back. He said he he said he tested it in Mallorca. Um, the test didn't go very well, did it? Lost in straight sets. Then he played Wimbledon, which, with I mean, with all due respect to a lot of these players, I suspect that's money motivated. He got $72,000, I think, for losing. I think that's the prize money this yep. this year for round one losers. You know, that's that's not to be sniffed at, is it, for, for someone like that, um, someone of that ranking? I, I suspect he, he thought, I'm fit enough to play this first round, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, did okay. Obviously, lost to Rublev. wasn't really expected to win that match. Um, so he's played. He's played two matches on on what's a kind of tentative comeback from a fractured foot. If you look at their all time, all levels. That's basically for these two. It's basically main level and challenger on the grass. Purcell has a fifty three percent win rate and a service points one return points one total of ninety nine. Brauva is better, fifty five percent win rate and a service points one return points one total of one hundred and four, um, which is quite a bit better. Uh, as you say, they played at Wimbledon Qualies in 2022. Purcell nicked that basically. He he took two of his two breakpoint chances. Brava only one of his four in a very tight match. I think it was seven five, seven six or something off the top of my head. Um, Brava played well at Wimbledon against Zverev. Uh, two tie breaks in three sets. Wasn't far away at all from Zverev in that match. Purcell also has a a weak record against left-handers. He's one and four win loss at main level against left-handers. And he's one and six win loss at all levels against top 100 ranked left-handers. So he's got a problem with left-handers. His grass stats aren't as good uh, at all levels as Brauvers. And he's got a fractured foot or he's recovering from a fractured foot. So if you want to bet Purcell at odds on with all those things uh, in mind, then, you know, that, that that's that's great. But it's not for me. I've gone for, you know, Brauver here. It's, uh, I took plus 120 uh, earlier on. I'm not sure what price he is now. Probably... Is he still that? I don't know. A little two, bit lower. Plus one eighteen now is the price of Browie on the spread. Okay, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not much different. Yeah, it's still decent. So yeah, happy to take that. That, that. He looks the best of the underdogs for me so far, with the qualifying still to complete in Newport. And yeah, qualifying still going as we speak now. So action will be loaded up on the Bet Rivers website overnight. Remember, there's a huge amount of markets on these matches. Uh, the time usually should be around about 10 a.m. Eastern time. Obviously, it's a stateside event, so it'll be 10 a.m. Eastern time. We don't know who will play. Just some props we do know. Persil, minus one and a half. He's uh, minus 117. Brower, plus one and a half, minus 109. That may tempt some of you. And on total, it's 22 and a half, uh, minus 115 on the over and minus 109 on the under. Before we go to the next tournament over in Europe on the clay, we've got to talk about the Wimbledon final. Obviously, it's just, literally just it's finished now, about half an hour ago. Uh, Novak Djokovic gets beat by Carlos Alcaraz, uh, the new king of Wimbledon, come through in an epic five setter. Um, uh, were you surprised by the result, or, or were you, you know, did you, uh, I thought if he was going to beat him, I didn't, I didn't think he could beat him over five sets. So I, I must admit, I was quite surprised. But he thoroughly deserves it, especially in that last set when he held his nerve and and his composure to serve it out against the the, the, the world's greatest. Yeah, he said he grew up a bit between. Um... Roland Garros and here, didn't he? And that that's what it was all about. I said, you know, in the preview that um, it, it was all about whether Alcaraz could uh, remain calm, not do what he did at the French Open, which was get too sort of agitated and wound up. But even so, he, he came out and lost the first set 6-1 against Novak Djokovic and in a Wimbledon final. And 
you know, to come back from that, Djokovic was, I think, was about one to five in play, wasn't he, at that yeah. point? Um, it, it all it all looked good for Djokovic, didn't it? Had he won that second set tiebreak, which he he, he sort of he, he he lapsed a bit there, didn't he, Djokovic, in that second set tiebreak? A few uncharacteristic, unforced errors that he he didn't do against Sinner in those tight moments. Um, and and then you know Alcaraz had, kind of had the bit between his teeth, then didn't he? So. I'm not surprised that he won. It's not a shock, you know. He wasn't a particularly big underdog. It's it was always going to be, if if they both showed up and showed their best level, it was always going to be a relatively tight match. I just uh, had it in my head that Djokovic would probably just play those big moments the better with all his experience. As it happens, it didn't turn out that way in the end, did it? Um, but you know, these these big finals, they 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 very rarely go the way that you think. And you wouldn't have had many people would have backed two six one sets. In that match, um, it's tough. Back, back, you know, betting in in these these finals is tough. And for Alcaraz's point of view, he's what two Grand Slams now. He's got another thirteen before my prediction of oh, yeah. fifteen yeah. comes true. I wasn't going to remind you of that, but it's a good start. But uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll we'll be old and grey, and uh, we'll be talking about that bet for for many yeah, years to come. Maybe we'll be for another off. twenty years. We could be doing that for a long time. But uh, <laughs> I think he come on age there, and obviously he's going to start. He'll be start favourite the US Open now. He'll probably be, he'll be start favourite Wimbledon. It's he's number one on now on merit. He's been a brilliant year and uh, he's beaten Djokovic on centre court. First person to do that in ten years. So a, an amazing performance. And I just think the, the fifth set when he held it together, uh, he, he had some tests at fifteen thirty on his serve, but he come through at the end to hold the nerve at a twenty year old boy. And he did, he just looked like he was meant to be. It was uh, it was I think it was a complete opposite of the French, wasn't it? Complete yeah, opposite of what happened to the French. Well, I think that I think that was what we touched on in the in the in the conversation before. I think that the, being the favourite to win the French and all the expectation, everyone expecting him to win was a pressure that he couldn't handle. Here, we could just have a go and just play with some freedom, and exactly what he did, you know. And and you know to lose six one in the first set and then to come back like he did and going into fifth with Djokovic, everyone's beaten before they even surf it up on the first point, but. Uh, he held it together and it, it was the making of the man. It was a tremendous performance and real showed heart. And he's such a likable character and he's great for the sport. So uh, for the purists, we'll be happy. And, um, you know, you know, it, it is great. But uh, I, I was surprised that uh, he managed to have the mental strength to beat Djokovic over five sets at Wimbledon. But he thoroughly deserved it and well played Alcaraz. And well done if anyone bet Carlos Alcaraz uh, to win Wimbledon. We didn't hear. We didn't expect it. But uh, if you did, well done. You would have cashed a nice plus 350 ticket and you're not going to get us like that again for him to win Wimbledon for a few years. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we gotta, we're going to keep moving on. We've got to go over to Switzerland now to Gustard. Uh, it's a clay court tournament. So we go straight from the grass into the clay court tournament. Uh, before we look at the outright market and the be the best match bets, give us a little bit about the conditions here in Gustard. Well, I think there's a big problem here in Gustard, to be honest, if this weather forecast is accurate and that they're not always accurate, as I've said before. Um, according to the weather forecast, it's going to be rain and thunder pretty much all week. I think there's 60 millimetres or so of rain expected um, in Gestad this week. Thunderstorms all week long. We've had a lot of, well, there's a big heat wave, isn't there, in certain parts of, of Europe at the minute. Not in really, London. Really big. Bloody oh, it's freezing. <laughs> so, so I said certain parts of Europe, not not, not sort of the north, uh, west or whatever whatever we are. Um, yeah, mainland Europe, like Italy and Spain, it's, it's been it's been ridiculously hot. And it's breaking, isn't it, over certain certain parts. Long story short, that it's it's going to be rain and thunder all week long. So I don't know how they're going to get this tournament completed if that weather forecast is correct, which which it may not be. Let's just look at the conditions as it normally is 
Um, it's usually quick for a clay event because there's a, over a thousand meters of altitude here in the Swiss Alps, English Stard. Um, it averages the same amount of tie breaks actually as um, as Newport on the grass. So that's that's the kind of conditions that you would expect. It's similar to Geneva, but even even more altitude um, than there. So even more altitude than Kitzbühel. So it's it, the ball flies through the air pretty quick, but it's not going to go that quick if there's if there's this much rain in the air. So it's it's difficult to gauge the conditions here because of the you know of the prevailing um, weather situation. So keep an eye on that. Um, as far as underdog winners are concerned, it, it averages thirty six percent dog winners, which is pretty healthy and. and something that you probably expect after Wimbledon with a lot of the, the players committed to playing, whether they've gone sort of deep in Wimbledon or not. And you, you sometimes do get a bit of a few half-hearted performances. Um, looking at the outright trends, it's won, it's been won by the last, sorry, it's been won in the last two years by Casper Ruud, who's this week, this time he's playing Borstad instead. So he's, which is also won uh, previously. So he's, he's done well this, uh, this particular section of, of this tour. It's been some very nice price finalists here. Hugo Gaston, 50 to 1, 2021. Uh, Stebe, the, the always injured Stebe, who's, whose career has been blighted by injuries, 66 to 1. Uh, finalists. Ramos won it not long ago, 22 to 1. Berrettini won it 33 to 1, would you believe, in 2018. So um, a lot of big price um, winners and finalists. Kasper Rube was the first man to defend the Gestard title since 1994 when he won it um, in 2022. And he also became only the second top seed to win it since Roger Federer in 2004. So top seeds rarely win here as well as as well as well Newport. It's not normally one for, for the number one seeds. Last qualifier to win here was Thomas Bellucci in 2009. Um, but qualifiers have made at least the quarterfinals in five of the last six editions. So qualifiers do tend to go well here as well. Well, it is a tournament that you could throw up a, a real surprise winner when you look at the main contenders. Let's look at the main contenders. The favourite here is Yannick Hanferman at plus 600. Lorenzo Sonego plus 650. Bautista Agut is the number one seed. He's plus 650. Kek Manovic is plus 750. Stan Marinkris plus 1,000. Dominic Team 1,100. Laszlo Jerry uh, 1,100. Alexander Muller, 1,800. The number one seed, as I said, is Bautista Agut, who was very disappointing at Wimbledon losing in the first round, much to our annoyance. The number two seed is Kek Manovic. Uh, wouldn't touch him with your money, Sean. Uh, Lorenzo Sonego <laughs> is the number three seed. Yannick Hanferman is the number four seed. But there are some pretty dangerous um, clay quarters who are, are unseeded a little bit further down the list. I mean, You've got your Fabio Fognini here. He's, he's 25 to 1. You've got uh, Bagnis at 33s. You've got Bonzi at 40s. You've got some decent players a little bit further down the, the list as well who um, who could challenge and, and shock those four sort of high-ranked opponents. Yeah, I think this is wide open. Um, Hanferman is tournament favourite for an ATP 250. This is this is very unusual, isn't it? He's got a, he's got a great record. Um, at altitude on the clay, Hanfman he's been playing well recently, so you can see why he's kind of uh, a shorter price than historically he has been over the years in these sort of events. But I, I couldn't, I just couldn't back him at that price. That's that's much too short. Hanfman's always been a player for me that uh, on clay at altitude, you you want to be on his side, but you want him at twenty twenty five to one, not six to one. I mean, Sanego for me hasn't got a particularly um, particularly great record at. Um, at altitude, uh, not had a great grass court swing either. I, I certainly couldn't be backing him at that price. Uh, Kekmanovic, as you say, very difficult guy to get a read on. He has he has won a tournament on clay at altitude. He won Kitzbühel a few years ago. It was very very hot that week though. It was 
blindingly hot. So it was it was it was much much quicker than the conditions that are likely to be the case this week if, if that weather uh, forecast is correct. So I've I've taken um I've taken Jerry here, Laszlo Jerry, mm-hmm. uh, in the bottom half of the draw. I think the bottom half is is slightly more open. Mikel Emo has got a very poor record on on clays. His, his best tennis tends to come um, in quick conditions, indoor hard normally, quickish indoor hard. But now also you could say grass as well. But on clays, his record is is not good. And he had a he had an injury problem at Wimbledon as well, didn't he? Played that really really long five setter. I think it was against Alahi Galan, wasn't it? And that. Um, that sort of set him back a bit with the shoulder problem, but yeah, I wouldn't have him as down as one of the favourites this week. Um, Fognini, I'm not sure really is is up for this sort of this sort of tournament anymore. Albert Ramos is a shadow of the player he used to be. Um, so I think this is a, this is a winnable half. Mark Andrea Husler's got a poor record here as well, one five win loss. I think he is at this particular tournament. I was impressed with Jerry on the grass. You know. He, We've said before, in years gone by, he was very much an out-and-out clay man. But now, hard courts um, on the grass, he did really well. He beat Cressy, Oscar Otte, beat Ben Shelton, took a set off Medvedev, took a set off Diminor, should have taken a set off Sitsipat. He's, he's a much improved performer on quicker surfaces now, Jere. Um, And that can only be good for him back on his, his favoured clay. I don't think he'd mind it too much if the rain slowed things down. He's had a, a very good two tournaments here. The two times that he's played the main draw here in Gestad, he made the semi-final both times. So he's six and two win loss in the main draw. So obviously enjoys conditions here. Um, ten to one, I've taken uh, each way on Jerry in this one. I think it's uh, extremely open, but I think that bottom half offers offers a bit of value. He's in the bottom half of the draw, seeded number eight, Lazo Jerry, and is showing some good form on the grass. As Sean said, really surprising, considering that he's been so dominant on clay. Back on clay and makes appeal here. Uh, just highlighted two matches you like. This up the first one, Alexandra Muller up against Dominic Team. Muller minus 104, Dominic Team minus 121. Dominic Team obviously came through that, or well, lost that epic five-setter against Stefanos Tsitsipas. Had a bit of time off, but it's going to take a lot out of him. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I'll just be quite brief on this. We've got a lot to get through, haven't we? Um, I just think Muller's got better clay stats. Um, if you look at the current season on clay at all levels, that, that's basically challenger and main level. Muller, 67% win rate and a 104 service points, one return points, one total. Team, 50% win rate and 100. So he's down there. Uh, main level, Muller's got a better win rate, 56% compared to teams, 47%. Team's not beating the top 150 ranked player since April. Uh, lost six of his last seven. Confidence must be in his boots. Muller played really well at slight altitude in Marrakesh the week that I was there, which it also rained. So he, he was able to hit through the court um, despite those sort of um, damp conditions. Played really well against Alcaraz at Wimbledon as well, won 71% of his second third points in that match against Alcaraz. So I don't mind taking Muller as slight underdog in that one. So Muller for Sean at minus 104. The other game you quite like is Mikhail Yima up against Pablo Juan Varilas. Uh, Mikhail Yima is minus 124. Varilas is evens. Uh, the spread here is minus one and a half in total with 22 and a half. Loads of different specials and props on the Bet Rivers website. Head over there and you can live stream the match as well if you place a wager on the website. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I think Varilas decent value. As I say, Yima not great on clay. His last 10 matches on clay, which goes back a couple of years, 3-7 win-loss. And a 95 service points, one return points, one total. Pretty poor stats. Varilas, last 12 months, uh, his service points, one return points, one total is 100. So a reasonable amount better. Varilas also played on clay last week. He actually lost to Ema's brother, Elias Ema, in Salzburg last week. But he's been playing on clay. Um, 
Emus coming here straight from the grass of Wimbledon where he had that long match and that shoulder injury. I think any rain will favour Virilas, the clay court grinder. I think the slower it is, the more I would like Virilas. I'm not not worried about the rain. He played well, very well at the French Open, didn't he? Beat Bautista, a good beat her cash in two really long matches. Um, happy to take Virilas as underdog there. Another underdog there, Virilas at even money. Let's leave the quickly over to uh, Bastard. This is the best tournament of the lot over in Sweden. If you look at the draw here, Kasparud, Massetti, Serendulu, Rublev. Very quickly, Sean, what have we got to look for in conditions here? This is the best tournament of the lot, the ATP, two, two, ATP Tour 250 over in Sweden. Yeah, more rain. Um, oh. <laughs> all week, apparently. Not quite as heavy and thunderous as Gestad, but still apparently rain all week. It's always slow here anyway. It's right next to the beach in, in Borstad, so it can get quite windy. Uh, it has the fewest tiebreak matches of any tournament on the tour. Uh, only 20% of the matches feature a tiebreak in Borstad. Uh, 74% hold, 67% first third points won about the same as Buenos Aires and Barcelona. Yeah, this tournament is obviously in clay as well. And as I say, it's some good players in it. Kasper Ruda, former uh, winner here, is the number one seed. He's plus 250. Alexander Zverev is plus 450. Rublev plus 450. Serendulo, Francisco Serendulo plus 650. Lorenzo Massetti plus 750. Davidovich Fikina, 1400. Echeverry, 1400. And Sebastian Bays at 2500. Uh, what do you like here? The draw. Again, doesn't really look much advantage being the top or the bottom. Kasparud's number one, scheduled to play Mosetti in the semi-final. In the bottom half, it's Serendulu against Rublev. Yeah, Kasparud in 2021 is the only number one seed since David Ferrer in 2012 to actually make the final here. So it's not normally a great one for number one seeds. I think on the stats, um, the, the top guy on the stats is Rublev. The second uh, is Echeverry. And I took him at 16-1 to 1 in the top half. Playing, been playing great this season on the clay. I, th- I don't think he'll, he'll mind the slow conditions. A lot of players have compared this to Buenos Aires. Uh, similar conditions. Obviously, he's Argentinian. He won't mind that. Um, he's got a 106 service points, one return points, one title, which is better than Casper Rude. Yet he can get 16 to 1 about um, Echeverry each way in the top half. So I've taken him in the bottom half. Uh, we had both finalists last year here. We had Bayez and, and Serendolo. I've taken Bayez. Uh, 25 to 1 each way this time. I think we really enjoy the conditions. Again, the slower the better for Bayes. Uh, his stats on clay, really good as well. A 104 service points, one return points, one total uh, on clay in 2023. He'll enjoy the conditions, um, as I say. And I'm happy to take those two Argentinians against the, the shorter price uh, guys like Rude and Rublev, whose motivation may not be quite as high. Exactly. Take them on with the two Argentinians off of value at very nice prices. It really looked like a Bambi on ice uh, all over the place at the grass, but back to the clay, definitely much more favoured than a man who went very deep in the French Open. A man who went very deep at Wimbledon is someone you want to talk about in your match bet here. You like Tiago Montero up against Daniel Gallan. Uh, Mon- Gallan is minus 125. He reached the last 16 of Wimbledon and got beat by Yannick Sinner. Great run for him. And Montero is pl- is even money. Uh, what do you like here? I've just taken Montero. I think that if you look at the last 50... 50- um, main level matches of each of these players. Galan's actually played slightly fewer than 50. Um, on clay, it's, it's Montero, slightly better stats, 46% win rate, a 101 service points, one return points, one total, which is better than Galan, who's on 43% win rate and 100. Service old break titles again, Montero leads 102 to 97. Look at that's the long term data. If you look at the shorter term data, which basically is this season. Montero is also better, much better on the whole break totals. 97 to 88, big advantage there. Galan also a question mark for me against left-handers on clay. 
so far in his career, he's one and five win loss on clay against left-handers. Montero, again, has been playing on clay uh, since Wimbledon, uh, made the quarterfinals of the Salzburg Challengers. He's he's back attuned to the conditions. Galan isn't. He's coming off a very long stint at Wimbledon, a couple of very long matches. Um, got to attune quickly to the clay. Happy to take um, Montero there, a slight underdog. Yeah, I love that play. Uh, Montero against Galan. Galan, obviously really, really deep, deep, long matches at Wimbledon. I think it's a, a lot for him to come back straight away and play. A very, very proven clay quarter in Montero. Uh, so, Sean, just give us a quick recap of your futures, if you could, very quickly. Uh, I might have to open several documents. Oh, no problem. To do that. If, 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 well, we've got we've got, we've got Nordia, we've got we've got Echeverry, and we have Bays at uh, the Bastard Tour. Remember, there's a Bastard and Gustard tournament. Uh, then, obviously, at Gustard, you have gone for um, who have you got? Uh, Leslo Jerry. Uh, yep. And then, obviously, at the Hall of Fame, we have gone for the lovely named uh, Rinky Hitchikata. Hitchikata, yeah. Hitchikata. So they are the outright picks. And obviously, there's some match bets as well uh, in all those matches. I'm sorry if this sounds a little bit rushed here today, but we have a bit of a nightmare. My camera completely went out during the uh, during the show, and my mouse has now lost battery again. So I've had to keep moving across to put it was into that what the you were doing there yeah, i was trying to put it into the plug <laughs> so i can get the, the battery charge because otherwise i couldn't see anything on my screen so i apologize if anyone's a bit confused what's going on there hopefully you've uh, you've got the gist of what we are what we're doing and hopefully you've got the gist of the bet that we are placing this week um remember there's four ways to follow us here on betting weekly game bet match you can download the podcast by searching betting weekly game bet match in your podcast provider you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is the Bet Rivers Network. Some brilliant content on there uh, from both over here in Europe and across uh, in the States as well. And also you can follow us on our socials, which is Because We Win on Twitter and also on Instagram. Um, so it's a busy week, three tournaments. Uh, we're looking at the women's events tomorrow with Rory Giovanni. Myself and Sean will be back on Tuesday. But the one thing I have to do, Sean, it's been a long two weeks yeah, we're we're absolutely exhausted. It's been uh, it's been an emotional one because obviously we have we, you have to have the highs and the lows of going through a bad run, which we, we we have a bad tournament, so we've ridden those as well. So go have a nice early, get yourself a beer, sit down in front of the telly, put your feet up, have a nice and run a nice bubble bath, and just get yourself nice and fresh for tomorrow. And we'll come back Tuesday ready and raring to go for another week. I might do that. Yeah, good Sounds advice. Good. Sounds good. Take care, everyone, and we'll speak to you again tomorrow.